0: The subject of the grace of God is everything in your Christian life. The first work of grace in your life was when you got saved. We cannot receive anything from God apart from his grace because it was all given to us by his grace. So let's jump in. I want you to go to Romans chapter 5, verse 17, this foundational scripture. Today I want to talk to you about an aspect of grace that we don't talk about. But the word of God is very clear. It's a principle of grace that is so necessary how that the grace of God is what empowers you to overcome your flesh. So if you study the book of Romans, you learn that this is what happens when, when you're born again. The Bible says that now, you know, positionally, I was crucified with Jesus. So when he hung on a cross, I died that day because he died for all of my sin. He died for the sin nature that was rampant in me. I was lost. And it says that I was buried with him in baptism. But then it says in the book of Romans that I was raised to newness of life, a brand new life. And then it says that I'm seated with him in heavenly places. So today, positionally, I am seated with Christ. Temporally, I'm standing here talking to you. So now, the way it is, Paul said two times in chapter seven, he said, when I sin, it's no longer I that am sinning, it's this sin nature that's in my flesh that I'm allowing to operate. And he made it real clear, he got really persecuted because he said, you don't need the law. And he was really persecuted for this, but he was trying to show the way to walk free from sin. If you don't know who you are, you'll never be able to walk free from sin. But when you realize, chapter 8, it says it, there is therefore now, now that I'm a child of God, no condemnation. This word condemnation means a sentence in the past has been made and I was found guilty. In Christ there was no there is no more sentence that's passed on me. I have been I have been made free. I'm free from sin now. And now why why did that happen? Well the next verse in chapter 8 says that God condemned All of that verdict, all of that condemnation, he condemned all of my sin. Every sin I've ever committed, every sin I'll ever commit, it was condemned in the body of Jesus on the cross, and now there's no condemnation for me. So now I could take the word of God and renew my mind, because it's the only thing that does, and feed my spirit so now... I'm no longer bound to do what my flesh wants to do. Now I understand I have the power to go, no, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna get angry at that person. I'm gonna walk in the love of God. And I understand, when I understand that I've been made free, now it empowers me by his grace. There's there's an aspect of grace that will strengthen me so that I don't give in to my flesh. Because have you ever noticed you come to church, you you know, you're in this great bubble of worship and the presence of God. And then before you get to your car, you're saying something to your wife, you're kicking, you know, your tire at your car, you're whatever, but you could jump into your flesh so quick. But as you grow in the Lord, you'll learn that you don't have to do that. Paul said, I beat my flesh black and blue continually. He had because our flesh, it just always wants to do stupid stuff, right? So this is the grace of God is to help you. The the life of a Christian is one of of great strength, great joy, great peace, fearlessness, but it's all because of the grace of God and it enables you to dominate in the world. If you look into your heart, and you, start, you get alone with the Lord and you start thinking about your life, you will want to dominate your circumstances. You'll get frustrated when your circumstances are dominating you. The reason why you're frustrated is they're not supposed to. Okay, So let's look at this. Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden, death reigned, death had full and superior dominion in this world, It reigned by one. It reigned through Adam's sin. It says, much more, they which receive, and this is a key that we've talked about, they which receive to take hold and continue in and grow in, what? Two things, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. It says that they shall reign in life. How? They shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ or you could say it this way they will reign in life that Greek word literally means with they'll reign in life with or it could also mean through Jesus Christ so we define grace as unmerited favor and what that means is I don't deserve anything that God's given me he just gave it to me does that make sense So that's what that unmerited favor. It it literally, we define grace as God doing for me what I could never do for myself. So that was another definition. God doing for me what I could never do for myself. I I was guilty. I was lost, the Bible says, in my trespasses and sins. But now Jesus came. We said this, grace is the finished work of Christ. So grace, the grace of God, is everything that God's provided for us through Christ. And then we said this word in, in chapter 7, or I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 17 of Romans, it's the Greek word charis. It's the word used all the way through the New Testament for grace. And it means it's, the grace of God is a divine reflection in the heart of a believer that reflects out of the life of a believer. So that that is that is what we grow in. Grace is a divine deposit of the ability of God in a person which will produce outward manifestations of God's ability. You've heard me say this, God won't call you to do something according to your ability. He calls you to do something according to his ability. Because he didn't give, come here to give you a nice little normal life. Call me anything, don't call me normal. right? The Zoe life of God that, I now, that now possesses me and that I possess in Christ, it enables me to live life on a higher level where now all things are possible to me who believes, where I can do all things through Christ, where now he's my strength, he's my joy. I don't do anything according to my ability. I do everything the way man was created to do it, hooking up myself, becoming one with God, and operating in his ability. So now he deposits his ability in me so that now his ability will manifest out of me. It is God's influence within you, God's influence within you that is intended by God to be reflected out of your life. You've heard me say this before. All ministry, all life flows out of the overflow of your personal walk with God. Many believers have never been taught this, so to them, they they live in defeat, or they live like a mere man. They're beaten up by their circumstances. And I'm here to tell you today that the word of God is true. You no longer have to be. God has given you the victory. The Bible says things like, our Father always causes us to triumph. Listen, it may look like it's over in your life and you killed something and whatever. Don't worry about that. God's the God who brings dead things back to life. He's the one who will make a way where there is no way. He'll shut a door that no man can open. He'll open a door that no man can shut. And the journey's awesome. And he doesn't get down on you if you mess up. I remember when the Lord came to me and said, Tony, I don't care where you've been. And I don't even care where you are right now. My question is, will you let go of all that and will you walk from now on with me? I'm so glad I did because it changes your life. Every moment of every day, it changes my life. Another definition of grace that we talked about. Actually, this is one the Lord talked to me about this week, so I haven't said this to you yet. Grace is God's ability in me to do what I don't have the ability to do. So the grace of God is God's ability in me to do what I don't have the ability to do. I love that. So... It says, according to Romans 5.17 here, there's two components for you to reign in life. To have full and superior dominion in life. To have a marriage of your dreams. To have a parenting relationship with your kids that's wonderful. To have wonderful friends. To be able to fulfill the call and plan that God has for your life. See, it's all it's, you've been made for this plan. To whatever you do for work, to be the head and not the tail. To be above only and not beneath. To never be under bondage financially because now God is the one who's sowing into your life. For us as Christians, your job is never... Now, there's not one scripture in here that talks about your job is to supply your lifestyle. Your job is for the purpose, it's a form of worship, you do it hard as unto the Lord. We work hard, but we never toil, right? He's redeemed us from toil. And our whole lifestyle is to be, it's to be a result of our sowing. So we work to get seed to sow, and our sowing determines our lifestyle. And that, that tilts you. So you have to renew your mind to it, but you could renew your mind to it because the Word of God is designed. If you'll take the Word, what He says about these things, and start saying it over and over to yourself, it'll renovate your thinking to where now you go from, I don't know what I'm going to do, to all things are possible. To go from, oh my gosh, look at these circumstances, to I'm no longer looking at them, I'm looking at the answer. And now I live above it. Because the tr- this word is truth and it will change every fact in this earth. It's the way it's created. Yeah. So we receive the abundance of grace. What does that mean? I must continually take hold of and grow in the abundance of grace. I must grow in this operation of grace. Another way to say it is I must grow in my ability to operate in grace. Number two is the gift of righteousness. I must continually grow in revelation knowledge of who I have been made in Christ. Your creator is the only one that has a right to to identify who you are. And define who you are. Do not let past failures define you. Don't let uh, what other people are saying define you. Don't see a lot of people. A lot of people they're they're defined by how much money they make, and what that does is it cuts them off. No, no, no. God has done a great job in this word defining you. He says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He's made you to dominate this earth. He's made you one of a kind. You're very special. There are gifts. That you're whole, for us as Christians, you've heard me say this, our future's not in front of us, it's in me. So as I, as literally, as I meditate in God's word, his word will literally be a lamp to my feet. It shows me right where I'm at, and it'll be a light to my path. It'll show me right where to go. And as I walk this out, I walk out every desire that comes out of my heart. Right. It's, it's amazing. What is it? There's desires that drips with purpose, and you just love it. Whatever God's called you to do. We saw this in Romans chapter five, in just a few verses later, in verse twenty-one. It says that as sin hath reigned unto death, so might grace. Reign through righteousness unto eternal life. So we see here that grace, what it does is it will bring you more and more into eternal life. Well, if eternal life is knowing God, then the grace of God will bring you more and more into knowing him. And the more you know him, once you know him as your healer, it's over sickness is over in your life. Once you know him as your provider, financial problems are over in your life. You could be in the midst of them and you know they all got to fall. Once you know he's your healer and you realize that he himself bore your sickness and carried your pain, you know. No, no, I'm not I'm not trying to get healed here. I'm healed and all this junk has to bow to who I am in Christ and it has to leave my body. Depression has to leave. Weakness has to leave. Does that make sense? If if you failed in a business or failed in anything in life, you, you might be afraid to try again, but not in God. You'll run to that next thing because you know there is no failure in God. And He'll get you over every time. In chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it it brings another point that we've made in this series. It says in chapter 5, verse 1 of Romans, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? God's not mad at you today. So many people think God's mad at you, and oh, he's just standing there, and he's just waiting, and you do one thing wrong, and he's like, That's not God. That's a lie right? God's not trying to get you to punish you. God doesn't punish his children. He uses his word to correct his children, to bring life into them. He's good all the time. God's been lied about. People think, oh, church is boring. It's because you don't know him. Boy, when you know him, you run after him, right? But then it says here in verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So see what happens now, I understand, and last week we spent a whole whole service on this, we understand that we have access literally through faith into this grace, and what does this grace do? It causes me to stand and rejoice because I know I will see the glory of God in my situation. Not I'm hoping. Bible hope is not world hope. People are going to go buy lottery tickets today and they're going to hope they win. Which means I might win, but I'm probably not going to win. But the Greek word hope for a Christian is a joyous, confident expectation. It means I already won and now the grace of God, I have access to it through faith so it enables me in God's ability to stand and to rejoice no matter what's going on around me because I have this joyous confident expectation that God is going to show up and what he said he'll do Amen. and what he spoke he'll bring to pass Amen. every time. So we talked about that a little bit. 2nd Peter chapter 3, you don't have to turn there, but 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 18, it says that grace is something we grow in. It says here in verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. And then he finishes it by saying, amen, which means so be it unto me. Growing in grace, it's not a one-time event. It's a process that goes on your whole life. Does that make sense? We talked about that a little bit. Friday night, I was with the college and career, and we talked about the place of Jehovah Jireh. It's one of the redemptive names of God. You know, Jehovah Jireh. He is the He's He's the Lord, my provider. He's that that word could be defined. He looks ahead and provides whatever I need. And and over five thousand times in the Old Testament, the word Jehovah is used. It means the self-existent one, who always reveals Himself and who keeps covenant to a thousand generations. It's used over 5,000 times. The word Jireh is used over, it means provider. It's used over 1,300 times in the Old Testament. But only one time is it used in Jehovah Jireh, the compound name of God. And it's when Abraham had to sacrifice Isaac. And we broke that story down and I made the statement. I said, you know, we so much look at. I remember when the Lord started dealing with me in this. He said, Tony, yes, look at me as a person. I'm God, but you got to look at me too as a place because there's places that I want to take you in me. Jehovah Jireh is a place. God wants to take you places in him. He wants to take you to the place of Jehovah Rapha where he's your healer. He wants to take you to the place of El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. So, so grace is a place It's a place in God that it's a place where his ability and his influence is on your spirit man and it it just so empowers you that it starts reflecting out of your life and it takes you to places in him. Grace is a place. It's also a position with God. It's not just a condition. This place, this position, this condition with God is designed, number one, to help you see and know things. So many people are living their life in fear because they're seeing things the way that they seem, not the way they really are. See, for us, the Bible says the greater one lives on the inside of us, that that we will never face anything in life greater than who he is. I love the book of Revelation because the revelation that we need is an end time church because you know Jesus is coming back. We're at the end of the church age. This whole thing's wrapping up. All this crazy stuff in the world, if you look at the Bible, it's all laid out there. I mean, it's amazing. But the revelation, the reason why we study the book of Revelation is because you have to have that revelation that Jesus Christ, He's not some little baby in a manger. No, no, no. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. His kingdom is greater and will never end. And he is greater than anything that you and I will ever face in life. So the grace of God will help us see and know that. So that whatever we're facing, see, you might face something and you might think, man, this is over. And God's like, oh, no, 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 no. no! I can make a way where there is no way. This game's not over till you win. Yeah, but I've lost 40 times. It's okay, you're going to play till you win. And I'm confident I'm going to finally get it over to you so that you could win. See, this is what's really good in life. It's really good for us as children of God. Grace, grace is not only about what you don't deserve. Grace is about how each of us has a special place with God. Always know that. The place of grace causes the Holy Spirit's presence to be everywhere that I'm supposed to go and upon everything that I'm supposed to do. That's a place of grace. Isn't that awesome to know that? Notice I said where I'm supposed to go. So if you want to live your own life and do your own thing, and you get off at the wrong exit and you find yourself in the wrong place, the Holy Spirit's presence, although he's with you, You're not going to operate in this. So this is why the blessing of the Lord is in the land where he places you. This is so important. This special place of grace with God, what it does is it separates us so that you will be seen by people in your life to be different from the rest of the world. And this is what makes a way for you. In your business, people won't even know it. They'll just want to do business with you. It'll, it'll give you favor. They'll see, your friends will see you go through stuff and still be filled with joy. And they'll look at it and go, how in the world, no matter what situation you get in, you always come out on top? Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's designed to do this. He will always, if you'll follow him, he will always put you in the right place at the right time, where you're doing the right thing with the right heart so that you can receive all that God has for you. Always. I love that. Another way to say, talk about this place of grace, this place of grace is in Christ. It's who we are in Christ. I love that. 2 Corinthians 1.20, you guys know this scripture, don't you? 2 Corinthians 1.20, for in him. In him. For all the promises of God are, or for all the promises of God in him are what? Yes. And in him, amen. So be it unto me. All the promises of God in this word are in Christ. And guess what? You're in Christ. And he never says no, he always says yes. Well, wait a minute. I've heard in church for years sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait, right? That's great. But if you'll notice, all those years in church, whoever said that never quoted a scripture. You know why? Because there's not one. Unless you get the expanded version of the Bible. We call that like first or second imaginations, right? Because it's not in the Bible. No, no. God says, if I said it, it's yes. It's yes. So definition of grace, let's kind of go into some new stuff here real quick. Grace is a condition. We've talked about it as a place. We've talked about it. We've defined it. But grace is also a condition of God's influence along with a position of right standing in him. It's a condition of his influence while you're standing in a position of righteousness with him through our relationship with him because of Jesus. All this is because of Jesus. The more we gain knowledge of Jesus, the more we grow in grace. We grow in knowing who he is and who we are in him. And notice it says so many times, Jesus Christ. That means literally the word Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. As you get to know Jesus, you'll get to know the anointing. As you're faithful to what God's called you to do, he will continue to increase the anointing in your life. Well, how does he do that? You increase in the knowledge of who Jesus is. Well, who does that? The Holy Spirit. He teaches you all the time about who Jesus is and who you are in him. We grow in knowing who we are in Christ. If you look at the Bible, our relationship with God is likened to a relationship that you would have with a parent, with a father. you right. It's always likened unto that. It's real interesting. This is this place of influence. My heavenly father, I am so, because I know how much he loves me, I'm so in love with him, and now I just want to do what he wants me to do. That's the motivation of my life. I want to know him. This isn't a religious act. If you'll notice, there was no time clock out there. right? This is a whosoever will, let him come. But it's it's fueled by I just want to know him. And, And I want to know him so I'm always pursuing him and to where now he is influencing every part of my life. We act just like our father. Have you ever seen a father's influence on a child? You see it both good and bad, right? Men, we all know, listen, you don't work stuff out in your own life, you'll see it in your kids' lives. So work it out in your own life. In John chapter 4, verse 34, you don't have to turn there, just put that in your notes. John 4, 34, this is Jesus. This is a picture of how his father influenced him. Jesus said unto them, my meat, that's a little vague in the King James, but it means my food, my nourishment, what strengthens me? is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus is saying that his father's influence on his life was so great that all he wanted to do or say is what the father wanted him to do or save. That's overflow. And this this is why it's different for us. Jesus operated. The Bible says he was full of grace and full of truth. He operated in God's grace. I love this in Luke chapter 2 in verse 52. It said that as Jesus was growing up, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Favor. See, this word, this Greek word charis is translated favor here. It's translated favor and grace all throughout the New Testament. So you could say this, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and what? And in the divine influence of his father in his heart and its reflection out of his life. Jesus grew in that and he wants us to grow in that. See, Paul speaks about us though This is where we get tilted. He speaks of us about being adopted into the family of God. And because we think of adoption, we think of it, well, okay, not my real parents and I was just adopted in. Right? you got to look at biblical adoption different. Because biblical adoption, fathers would adopt their own children. And it was called like a bar mitzvah, a coming to age. So see, our adoption, listen, you got to realize you were born again of the incorruptible word of God. You are God's, the Bible even uses in the New Testament, the Greek word is offspring. You're God's offspring. So when he talks about adoption, it's it's not talking about somebody who just was brought in from the outside. No, 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 you were not. Well, wait a minute, Tony, no, I was, because I was born again. Nope, you were made new. That old man that you were is dead. So stop playing the videos. Stop looking at the pictures. Start looking at who you are in Christ now, and you'll walk free from all that junk. So you're his child. We must replace our old thinking with new thinking that's in line with the Father. Grace will help you overcome this adopted son mentality. Right? It'll help you overcome it because you'll know you're his child. See, the Bible says we're joint heirs with Jesus. Now, we mentioned this really early in this series, but I want to bring it up again. There are three things that Paul uses to contrast the grace of God. Remember, I don't know if you remember this, but number one is sin. God, or the word contrasted the grace of God with sin. In Romans 5.20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, here's the contrast, grace did much more abound. So sin is one of the things. Number two that, that Paul contrasted with the grace of God was the law. In Romans 6.14, it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under It says in the King James, the law, but that word the is not in the Greek. It would read, for you are not under law, but under grace. So you have sin and then you have the law, two things that contrast grace. Number three is works. And oh, we all know about that, right? Man, I just got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this. Well, that gets old real quick because you'll fall. We don't work, we don't work for our salvation. We don't do works that we think we should do. We work out what he's working in. So if God's not working in it, I mean, you know, as a pastor, there's times when Satan will be all over me. You need to pray more. The reason why this church isn't where you think it should be is because you need to pray more. You maybe even need to fast. You need to do this. You need to do that. Man, I'll go to a movie because I am not doing anything that he wants me to do. Because Satan drives you to do things. But God so gently leads you to do things. See, you're working hard when you're trying to work for something. It's like working out. You don't go to the gym to work for your body. You already possess a body. You go to a gym and you work out your body. That's the way it is as Christians. The Holy Spirit tells you down on the inside of you, prompts you to pray, prompts you. You know, sometimes when I'm studying and I'm preparing, I mean, I I no longer study what I want to. Sometimes he'll have me studying stuff way over here, and i got to preach the next day here. But I have learned, if I try to go study, if I want to study on the grace of God, and the Lord's leading me to study something else, I might as well give it up, because there's no grace there. And boy, when you walk in the grace of God, it's like, it's like cutting hot butter with a warm knife. It's just easy. But when you're trying to do stuff on your own, it's like trying to drag... A sled up a mud hill that has no wheels, man. You're just trying to, right? It's no fun. This walk with God is not like that. So works. In Romans chapter 11, verse 5 and 6, it says, "...even so then at this present time, also there's a remnant according to the election." That word means according to the salvation of grace. "...and if by grace, then it is no more works." Otherwise, grace is no more grace. So that means if you're working, it's not grace. But if it be works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, I know that's a lot of crazy wording, but if you study biblical hermeneutics, this is the Holy Spirit screaming. He said, he's going, guys, I said this three times in, in a half a verse. Grace is not works. If you're working, you're not operating in the grace. That's all he's saying here. So we have these three things. We have sin. It's contrasted. We have the law and we have works. These three things. We're going to have to deal with these three things in order to grow in grace. We're going to have to get the sin out of our life. We're going to have to stop living by law. So many times it's by the law of what other people think you should do. There's all kinds of laws. Right? And you're going to have to deal with works. I mean, Satan will get you on this treadmill, and you won't even know you're on the treadmill. And all of a sudden, you're just... If you're getting weary, man, get off the treadmill. Lord, show me what you want me to do. There's three... There's three... So to grow in grace, you're going to have to what? Overcome... You're going to have to get rid of this sin, the law, and works. There are three enemies of the grace of God, three things that will try to stop you from ever operating in grace, and that's those same three things sin, the law, and works. There's three roots in unbelief. What keeps us from believing God's word and walking by faith? Sin, the law, Works. Turn to James chapter 4, because this is another aspect of grace that I want you to see. James chapter 4, verse 6, and I want you to pull this up in the Amplified translation, because we want to amplify this today. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more and more. This is continual present tense. But he gives more. It would, it would read like this. But he gives more and more and more and more and more, and he never stops saying that. Grace. And then now, in these parentheses, this is a parenthetical definition that brings out the Greek. I love it. It says, what is grace? The power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. So we got to find out what this evil tendency is. That is why he says God sets himself against the proud and haughty, but gives grace continually to the lowly. Now, who, what does it mean lowly? Those who are humble enough to receive it. it. It gives us this amplified translation, gives us a parenthetical definition of grace. The power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. So we see from this verse, humility is how you receive the grace of God in your life. If you think you can do it in your own strength, you can't access the grace. But if you'll give it up and let him do it, he'll take care of that. Every area of your life that you walk in humility, your grace level increases. Do you know how many people are working themselves in a grave because of pride and it doesn't it's not pride with my chest out it's pride like I have to do it because nobody else can do it like I can do it and I'm just working 19 hours a day and I'm depleted and I'm a mess that's how that works we gotta if you want to grow in grace you got to grow in humility what is humility humility the recognition that without God I can do nothing I don't even want to brush my teeth without the grace of God anymore. If God pulled His grace off of your life, you'd be just sitting here going, okay, you know, let's just go to lunch because I, I can't, I could not preach. There's, there's no way. Anything you get that equips you is because of His grace. To elevate your grace level, you must elevate your perception of the truth that without God, I can do nothing. Our mentality is what? Well, God, I need you for the big stuff, but the little stuff I could handle. Well, here's the thing. As an, as an athlete, you know, when I played basketball, our coach would always say this. You play the way you practice. So you better not be goofing around in practice because all of a sudden, see, and this is the thing, if you're not operating in the grace of God and the small stuff in your life, you won't know how to when you get to the big stuff. And, And the enemy knows that. You must come to an awareness that you can't do enough, you can't pray enough, you can't study enough, you can't confess enough to earn the blessing of God in your life. You must come to another awareness that you can't do anything bad enough to disqualify you from the blessing of God. You can't mess it up. You, you sit there and you, you live your life, you operate in sin and all this stuff, and, and you know, you're seemingly cut off from the blessing of God, but then you just choose to repent. And you turn back to God, and the moment you do, his grace is right there. Because all of it's already been paid for. And all you did was allow your flesh to to operate, but the minute you stopped, he shut all the doors to the enemy again, and now you could walk in obedience to the word, and all the blessing is still there. You're not disqualified from it. Now, will sin disqualify you? Yeah, but you could repent of it so you never you you can't ultimately mess it up this is well now you can if you choose your whole life to just not live for god and live for yourself you're going to miss the whole plan of god for your life but if you're a child of god if you ever really with your heart receive salvation you're still going to stand before the lord you're going to be in fullness of joy you're going to regret the fact that you missed God's plan for your life here on the earth and you know but you're still going to be in heaven. Why am I saying that? You know it even gives my flesh problems to say that. But guys, it's Bible, it's what Paul preached. If you don't know that God did it all, you'll never walk free from sin. When you realize the love that God has for you, that's what empowers you to walk holy before him. It's, it's, it's just the truth. See, when this is where we go when we don't receive the promises of God. As an example, oh man, you know, this is not working out. I just didn't pray enough. What do we do there? Right there we start to heap condemnation on ourselves. What will that do? Now, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ, but I'm heaping condemnation onto myself. What does that do? It'll produce a works mentality that destroys your life in God. You're living like an unbeliever, like somebody who doesn't know him. What am I saying? We pray. We meditate in the word of God. We confess his word. We Walk in the love of God. We walk by the faith of God. We are led by the Spirit of God. Why? Because we know how good He is. Because we know He loves us unconditionally. And it just, it just draws me to Him. Christianity is not a bunch of do's and don'ts, Christianity is a love relationship with God. Okay, so real quick, you guys ready to go really fast? James chapter four verse one. I know you're already there. So it says here, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members in your flesh? He's starting to talk to us about these evil tendencies. We have where where do all the all the times you argue, you get mad, you 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 lie, you gossip, you you get angry. Where does all that come from? It's all in your flesh, is what it's saying. The Amplified version of this verse says, What leads to strife, discord, and feuds? And how do conflicts, quarrels, fightings originate among you? Do they not arise from your sensual desires that are ever warring in your bodily members? See, your evil tendency is to allow your flesh to dictate the direction of your life. Your flesh is always trying to dictate it. And what that produces is strife, discords, feuds, fightings, how we could wrap all those words into one word or two words, inner turmoil. It all comes from your flesh. Verse two of James chapter four, I'll read the Amplified. It says, you're jealous and covet what others have and your desires go unfulfilled, so you become murderers. To hate is to murder as far as your hearts are concerned. You burn with envy and anger. Now this is talking about believers, and are not able to obtain the gratification, the contentment, and the happiness that you seek. So you fight and war. You do not have because you do not ask. Here's how you'll always know if you have a wrong desire. It's always rooted in self gratification. It's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna gratify me. Really, just my flesh. It benefits you and no one else. It, this causes your desires to never be fulfilled. God wants you to be content and happy. We always blame others. We always blame our circumstances. See, always realize this. All interpersonal conflict comes as a result of this inner turmoil that's in your own life. Not asking is an evil tendency because... What we want to do is work for it. We are to work it out, not work for it. We are to ask in faith. We don't ask because we're so used to doing things ourselves. This is that works mentality that's an enemy of grace. Verse 3 of chapter 4, it says, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you consume it upon your own lust." What is that? That's the evil tendencies in your flesh. See, you ask, but you don't receive because your heart motive is wrong. The grace of God will keep your heart motive right. All these evil tendencies, all of them are handled completely by the grace of God. I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to overcome them. The grace of God will strengthen you to overcome them. All the evil, evil tendencies that would pervert or corrupt the will of God for your life are taken care of by his grace. The grace of God empowers us to rise above our circumstances. How do we do that? We're rising above our sinful flesh and it puts us in a position to receive the blessing of God in our life. You cannot do it in your own flesh. God's will for our lives has already been paid for by Jesus. It's all paid for. It's all yours already. It's simply a matter of you laying hold of it and you don't have to do that in your own strength. The grace of God will enable you to walk free from your flesh so that you could lay hold of it. We must rise above these evil tendencies in our flesh in order to receive the blessings of God in our lives. The grace of God empowers you and I to do this. This is why we come boldly every day. Father, I come boldly before your throne of grace. I come boldly, Father, not on my own merit. I come because of Jesus' obedience. And now, Father, I ask you that you'd impart a more than enough portion of your grace, your strength and your ability in my life so that I might walk fearless today that I might walk in the love of God, that I might walk by your faith, and that I might be led, courageous enough to be led by your spirit. That's what we do every day of our life. You must know what the grace of God is in order for you to believe correct things. You must be empowered by his grace and have a heart full of faith to take possession of what he's given you. A heart full of faith Without an appropriate measure of grace, will always put you in a works mentality. So, how does faith come? By hearing His Word. How does the grace of God come? By hearing His Word.